Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The show is brought to you by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Robots Radio presents the Fallout Lorecast. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Welcome back, Wastelanders. This is going to be a little bit of a different episode this week. I, instead of depositing a bunch of new lore information on you, am instead going to give you a list of what I consider to be the main contenders in a uh, a potential ranking system. You know those tier lists people do on YouTube? You know, the A through B and C and D and then the, the S tier at the top. This is going to be like one of those tier list episodes of all what I would consider to be the mainline factions in Fallout 3, New Vegas and Fallout 4, because those are the the games that take place furthest along in the timeline for the factions that ideologically have the highest potential chance of actually solving the wasteland problem of actually helping humanity retake the wasteland and well bringing humanity back to a place where they are in charge and safe once again so i'm going to go through each of the different factions and play with the idea of what their strengths are and maybe what their weaknesses are when it comes to playing this out so i hope you guys like the idea of this episode and i'd love to hear some of your thoughts on this as well I'm your host, Tom of Robots. I know often when I do these episodes, I just get right into the topics. And so if, if you've been listening to the new episodes only and you don't know who I am, that's who I am. So let's get into the details a little bit here. We've got a variety of different factions, of course, and there there are a lot of minor factions in Fallout lore. So we could go into all of those as well. And maybe we'll do that. Maybe we can expand this topic out on our patron episode which is coming up next week and would be on the uh, or will be on the uh, Tuesday the uh, what is the date of that Tuesday the uh, 29th so if you are one of our patrons uh, tier four or higher patron and want to join me on Tuesday night uh, 9 p.m. Eastern 6 p.m. Pacific then you're welcome to come join me this could be a fun topic for us to debate even further that night but let's let's get into it of course I'm going to start with some of the uh, most well-known factions, and we're going to go from there. And I've kind of organized these in a very specific way. 
I'm going to start with what I consider to be the authoritarian factions. And why don't we just kick this off with the Enclave? The last few episodes of this month have been about the Enclave. And of course, they are an authoritarian faction. Authoritarian meaning they don't really allow anyone else to sway their opinions. There's a figurehead or at least a figurehead a group at the top dictating what is going on. And they basically tell everyone below what is going on and how it's going to happen. They have some sort of mandate. They have a very specific ideology. And for the most part, they stick to it. So the Enclave, we, know, we all know a lot about the Enclave. I'm not going to go through the background of <laughs> each of these because that episode would be extremely long. But let's pose the question here. What is the ideology of the Enclave and will it create a wasteland where humans can survive? And I think, unfortunately, the answer is, uh, well, to the second question is, yes, the ideology of the Enclave is, first of all, survival of pure humans. So we talked about this on previous episodes with the Project Purity destroying anybody, wastelanders. It didn't matter who was out there with any impurities in their genetics at all. Anybody with mutations, anything like that at all. They were trying to purify the wasteland completely. And yes, that would have destroyed the mutants out there, the super mutants, the ghouls, all sorts of terrible things. But what it would have left in its wake was pure humans and sure the population would have been very small but in the long run assuming that those humans would have been able to gather together create small settlements create food for themselves given enough time they would have repopulated assuming that new terrible things didn't come back up and destroy them and we could go on a whole list here of all the terrible things that could have reemerged in the wasteland and destroyed them. Would the FEV be completely removed from the wasteland? Would the radiation completely go away? Would aliens come down like they have recently in Fallout 76 and now take over because there's nobody left to fight them, fight them off? Would they even want to take over an entirely barren or almost entirely barren Earth? You know, there's all sorts of questions you could pull out about what would happen here. But assuming that most of the terrible things in the world, or at least in the United States, are destroyed by a virus and all that's left are a, you know, one percent of the human population that's not just killed by that virus, then yes, the Enclave would actually solve the problem. Now, is this a very moral solution? I mean, this is mass genocide. So, no. It's not a great solution, but it does solve the problem. So if the only requirements are, does this faction solve the problem and in the long run create a wasteland that is habitable by humans, then the answer is yes. Do they do it in a really good way? <laughs> is it, is it a, a great way to achieve it? then no. So I think they're probably, I mean, it's for the most part, it seems like it's yeah, it's a yes, it will achieve it, but they don't really do it in a the best way possible. So maybe a tier, but there's hopefully a better way to achieve this, right? So yeah, this seems like they could achieve it, but they also didn't because there were a lot of people who were against the idea. So they didn't ultimately 
achieve this goal. So maybe B tier. I want to know what you guys think about this. Also, I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible. But if the only requirement is and, and again, let me let me preface this. If the only requirement is could they put, could they achieve this? Then, yes, the answer is yes. All right, let's move on to the next one. Of course, we talk Enclave. We have to talk the Brotherhood of Steel, right? And yes, they are authoritarian. They have a mandate. They have a very simple hierarchy structure where instructions come down from the top. There is no voting. Nobody gets to dissent from that. And if you do dissent, you leave the Brotherhood. You're out, right? It is authoritarian. Now, the ideology here is that and the reason why they're authoritarian is that the Brotherhood does not want to fall prey to the problems of the past. They believe that the reason why the wasteland is the way it is, the reason why the Great War happened, the reason why humanity stumbled and fell is due to our ignorance and our misuse of technology. And there's a similarity here in the Enclave in this idea that they are the purveyors of wisdom. They are the only ones who are wise enough to know what to do and, and how to do what's right. So that's why there's an authoritarianism to this ideology. Now, what's different from the Brotherhood than the Enclave is that they believe that they, well, they first of all, don't believe in just destroying everybody in order to achieve their goals, or at least most of them don't. But they also don't believe in this overarching need to govern over everybody. For the most part, they let people do their thing unless it has to deal with technology. And when it has to deal with technology, that's when they believe they can step in. So there is a distinction there. Now, there's a question we have to ask when it comes to the Brotherhood is, do they have a plan beyond just keeping humanity from making the same mistakes from of the past? And it doesn't seem like they really do. There's more of a, hey, let's not make the same mistakes that we made in the past, and then hopefully we'll, we can move forward. But there's not really a, okay, so let's then use the technology to provide for ourselves for the future. There's more of a, let's just safeguard the technology for a time when it is going to serve its needs. Uh, there's really not a clear forward momentum that's a problem when it comes to using that technology in order to create a better future. There's there's a lot there that's missing from a plan forward perspective. Now, the Brotherhood does safeguard people on occasion. They do look out for other people, especially when there's some sort of protective situation in play, especially when they're negotiating with wastelanders for food and resources and those kinds of things. And they're pretty good at taking out, say, death claws and other kinds of, you know, dangerous things in the wasteland that are potentially going to cause problems. So there is some of that, especially when paired up with some of these other organizations, they can lend a hand in the survivability of the people in the wasteland. But for the most part, they don't really have a plan for moving forward. So in that sense, they're kind of a auxiliary faction that can help other wastelanders, first of all, not destroy themselves, and second of all, protect themselves. But even then, they're not always, depending on the leadership, keen on that idea. <laughs> sometimes they do that, and sometimes they don't. So 
if the question is, does the brotherhood itself help the world get to a place that creates a survivable world for humans? I think they're kind of D on the list, unfortunately. They're a fun faction. Power armor is awesome. Technology's cool, but they're further down the list for me. All right, let's move on to the next authoritarian faction on my list. We're going back over to New Vegas. Caesar's Legion. Let's talk about Caesar's Legion. And I think we have to group in Caesar's Legion with raider groups and gangs and things like that in general. Now, Caesar's Caesar's Legion represents the darker underbelly side of what happens when society falls apart. And of course, this is absolutely authoritarian. There is a figurehead at the top. The figurehead at the top says, you do what I say, or basically I'm going to hang you from a cross, chop off your head, burn you at, you know, at a stake, whatever. Right. And this is a real world kind of scenario here. This is what happens in many real world places when governmental systems fall apart, even today. In many places in the world, you have a powerful figurehead who steps in and uses the fear of pain, the fear of death, their own power, their own violence in order to control other people. And when you look at the historical record, this is very real. We look at history and we often call these kinds of leaders warlords. Or kings. These kinds of titles get passed around in history. But what really is the distinction between a gang or a gang leader and a warlord? The distinction really isn't that different when you think about it. A modern day gang leader and a warlord who happens to be in charge of a city state aren't really that different. Now, a gang exists within a current day political system. They're not just off on their own, but that's due to current day political you know, organization and that kind of thing. You take that outside of a political system and now you have warlords who are just lording over their own zones of influence because there's nobody that's there to stop them, to arrest them, to keep them from doing that. At a fundamental level, it's a very similar kind of thing. And in the wasteland with Caesar's Legion, with many of these gangs, they're using the same kind of manipulation and on top of it, drugs and all sorts of other things in order to manipulate the people underneath them. But let's get to their ideology. Is there a way that they can use their power to create a world where humans can survive? They do have a lot of power. They do have a lot of forces, armies, the ability to stand up against the horrors of the wasteland. I mean, if you have to fight off death claws and you have an army, there is a way to do that. But ultimately, does it create a place where humans can survive? I don't think that's on the top of Caesar's list. I don't think that's on the top of any raider or gang leaders list. I think for the most part, many of these organizations are implosive. They burn brightly, but then they also burn out very violently and then fracture again. 
because there becomes a power vacuum when that very powerful leader, uh, very charismatic personality at the top goes away or is assassinated. And then and we learn this from history. Oftentimes when somebody at the top, uh, look at, for example, Alexander the Great, once he died, the empire that he created fractured into multiple smaller empires. And it's because there wasn't a political system that was there in order to define who took over that empire. I mean, there was sort of was, but it fractured underneath anybody who was there underneath him to clean that up. This creates more internal squabbles than it does anything else. This doesn't necessarily ensure the survivability of the people underneath that powerful leader. And again, the focus of the leadership in this kind of scenario isn't about the survivability of the people underneath. That is not their priority. Their priority is about the power that they can get and maintain for themselves. And as soon as that power is at threat, they will kill anybody underneath them in order to maintain that power. So it becomes a system that simply eats itself. So Caesar's Legion gangs Raiders, I'm going to put all the way down at the bottom. That's an F. This is an F tier system. This system will constantly eat itself and will eventually destroy itself. If the wasteland is only set up with these kinds of organizations, then humanity is doomed. There is no future for humanity here. All right. We have two more what I would consider authoritarian groups. And I think that these two are actually very similar. So I'm going to kind of cover them at the same time because they're very technology focused and again, very, um, very individual in their uh, leadership focus. We have Robert House in New Vegas and the Institute. And in a lot of ways, they're, they're very similar. Robert House, of course, was trying to maintain his own life, trying to live as long as he could, used his wealth and his scientific connections, his uh, development of science, I guess you could say, in order to uh, create a situation where he owned New Vegas and was able to create connections with the, the gangs and kind of, I don't know, move their status up, I guess you could say, in order to basically lord over New Vegas using a bunch of robots and things like that with a sort of good idea here to create a more civilized place for people to exist. I mean, there was there was definitely some of a good idea going here. There was definitely a, you know, let's create a place where humans can be at least removed from the wasteland, a place that is relatively safe while still creating something for him there was definitely a personal goal there as well, but it wasn't just all about Robert House as egotistical as he as he was. I mean, he was you know, he's the Tony Stark of Fallout, right? There's a reason why a guy like that can be egotistical is because he's a freaking genius. So you've got that going on that side. On the other side of the continent, you have the Institute and you have, again, a group that's focused on technology on science, on research, and using that science in a way that's that is slightly different than than Robert House. And then you have Father, a kind of egotistical leader who is leading the Institute and 
in this sense, they're developing robots, AI, to help the wasteland in their perspective. And in this sense, there's a little bit of, you know, not realizing that the things that they are developing are actually turning into persons on their own and all of that background of that stuff. But they do believe that they're creating something that could further humanity in the wasteland, but they're not willing to share it. Right. In both of these situations, they're kind of holding themselves up in separating themselves from the rest of the wasteland. So there are some similarities here. There are differences, too, but there are some similarities. That's why I'm tackling them together. Now, do either of these further the existence of humans and the safety of humans in the wasteland? And I think my answer here is only for their own groups. They don't actually help with saving humanity, the big H humanity across the entire country. They really only serve themselves. And I think in the long run, that becomes a difficult problem for both of them because they create a have and have not such scenario in both cases. There, you know, with the Institute, you have the, the people of the Institute, which everyone's like, wow, they're living these great lives. But, at, you know, on the backs of these synths, that seems really messed up. And with House, you've got, wow, these, you know, people on the Strip are living these great lives. But again, look how different they are from everyone outside the Strip. And as we've seen in history, you can't have for very long a sizable difference between the haves and the have nots until the have nots push back. This causes revolution. And some of these games play out in these ways. So I think that both of those things inherently because of the inability for them to share the wealth lead to problems in the future. Now, the development of science and technology and the ability to share that could eventually help out or the ability of the have nots to take over those advances and use them could be beneficial. But that's not the plan of either of these groups initially. So uh, I think both of these groups send up on like a C tier going forward. Now, I mean, I guess you could argue Robert House has some plans to help the wasteland on a larger scale, but I, uh, we could debate that. Why don't we debate this on the next episode? I think that would be more interesting too. But uh, I think I think in general these these are more like C tier organizations. Um, yeah, I think I think that's where I'm going to land with these. All right, tell you what, I've got some more groups to talk about, but we're going to take a quick break here in the middle, and we're going to thank our patrons. So stay tuned for the rest of this. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and I get to thank our newest patrons. We have some new patrons who signed up this last week. Check this out. We've got, oh man, I love this. I love this name. Tickle Fights, Oasis Pedro, and Sue Dash signed up this last week. Thank you to all three of you for joining the Patreon, supporting the show. I really do appreciate it. Welcome to the Patreon. I hope you guys are enjoying the ad-free episodes. And if you would like to help support the show, then you're welcome to do that as well. Big shout out to Dylan R., our Sentry Bot, or uh, Tier 5 patron. And um, man, you guys are the best. Uh, Thank you to all 53 of our patrons. Thank you so very, very much. And if you are interested in checking out any of the rewards, the ad-free episodes, the t-shirts you can get, joining us on the patron chat episodes, then head over to patreon.com slash falloutlorecast where you can get a get a look at all the different stuff. There's there's a bunch of tiers. There's a lot more stuff than I mentioned on just these episodes. Also, if you'd like to help us out in other ways, you can always leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have an Apple account, even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, we don't have any new ones this week. But if you'd like to leave a little note on there, I will read it out in a future episode. And if you listen on Spotify, you can leave us a five star review on there. Both of those things are extremely helpful because they help us stay at the top of the rankings. And uh, if you have some friends who love Fallout, just, you know, share the show with them as well. All of that stuff helps a ton. I really do appreciate it. Um, and another little note here. If you are into the Lord of the Rings Go check out the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. It's my newest show, and it's been going awesome. I've gotten a lot of positivity, a lot of positive comments, and uh, a lot of people are checking it out already. We're four episodes in. I'm talking about the history of the world, all the creation stuff. The coming of the elves is going to be on maybe the next episode. I'm going to be recording that this week. I might do that. I might do something else. It's 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 so much fun, guys. I'm getting into all the nitty gritty stuff about the Lord of the Rings before the Amazon series comes out this fall. If you want to be ready for talk about the first and the second age of the world and all that stuff, go listen to it. Um, I'm having a fun time putting it together. But anyway, that's what I've got going on. Thank you again to all of our patrons. And let's get on with the rest of the show. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. Okay, so we've covered the authoritarian groups. And we've realized that, I mean, it's, it's sad to say, but the Enclave are the ones that seem to have the best solution for the survival of humanity and it's it's a dark solution it's a dark solution so maybe some of these other groups can actually help us out here so let's talk about the new california republic we're still over in new vegas the new california republic i mean they're a they're a republic right they're not authoritarian the people who are a part of this group have some say in the way things are going and because of that There is or at least there should be a little bit more unity among the groups. There's a little bit more agreements theoretically about where things are going a little bit less genocide 
a little bit more cooperation and, you know, a lot, a lot more. I, I think that this would be more of a group that we, most of us, would be willing to be a part of because we have some say. The common person in the wasteland could feel better about trying to bring about a new future. And for the most part, this represents more of what the previous world may have actually looked like a republic. Imagine that. So do they have a plan for the future? Well, I think their plan is that they do the hard work. They do the hard work of rebuilding a future from the ground up. Farming, infrastructure, politics. They create a world based on the way things worked before, which originally did work. I mean, if you think about it, it did work. Human beings doing hard work, trade, building, working together. Except this time, they're living in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. And that's a lot harder to deal with. So what is the difference this time? Like, what? why would this work this time in a such a different kind of environment? That's the big question is can the new California Republic actually create a world that humans can survive in? And my my gut feeling here is yes. Eventually they can. Because humans are resilient. Because we inherently don't give up. Human beings have this tendency to just keep at things like we're we're very stubborn we do work hard we are the kinds of creatures that set goals and we put our heads to the ground and we get stuff done and some of us are terrible but a lot of us are just salt of the earth people we will farm our entire lives and we will work our hands to the bone so that our next generation can have a slightly better life. And that's the kind of things that we do. And we will fight off rad roaches and mole rats and death claws. And we will die doing it in order to protect our towns and our villages so that the people we care about can continue living their lives. And that's the kind of thing the new California Republic is, is about. And I'm going to lump in here the um, the uh, the Commonwealth Minutemen, because I think that they are a similar kind of faction. And you have to you have to tie together these kinds of factions. The Commonwealth Minutemen are I mean, they're not a government organization, but they're a group that comes to the aid of these salt of the earth kinds of people. They're there to stand up for people in need against raider groups, against the hazards of the wasteland, beasts coming up on people's farms, those kinds of things. And these types of groups together have to deal with lots of terrible things. But in the long run, I think that humanity eventually prevails. And we've seen this. That's, that's the reason we're still here, is that people are resilient and smart and we just don't give up. And so in the long run, yes. 
the new California Republic, eventually some version of it will survive some version of the, well, some version of the Minutemen, the, the idea of helping your neighbor will survive them specifically, maybe, but some version. So I think I'm going to give that an A. Both of them get an A tier. Now let's talk about the railroad. This one's interesting. The railroad seems to only exist in order to free synths. And I don't think that they have an ideology behind or beyond that, I guess I should say, beyond that. Without synths, they don't exist. So anywhere that there is not artificial life, they don't exist. They, they don't have a plan for humanity as such. So they don't really fit into this argument at all. They are a major faction in Fallout 4. So I included them in the list, but the idea that they only exist for synths and on top of that, as much as I love them as a faction and sided with them on my first playthrough of Fallout 4, I think they're actually one of the most dangerous factions because not all of the synths are safe. And in fact, as much as I want to fall on the side of anything that thinks and has its own perspective on the world and has its own objective view of reality and itself is a person synths artificial life androids are probably one of the greatest threats to humanity there are so in that sense the railroad gets an f that is not going to help humanity survive so sorry railroad you're one of my favorites man this this is all turning backwards enclaves at the top Railroads at the bottom. Okay, on to the final one here. And this is not one of the major factions, but I have to include them because they did show up. Laney and I did an episode on them, and I think they're probably the S-tier group, the followers of the apocalypse. I think the followers of the apocalypse are the S-tier group, the humanitarian organization that is just built around engaging and helping those in need. And I think the only reason I can come up with the fact that they might not be an S tier group is that they are so engaged with helping others that they would put their, themselves at risk. And so they might burn themselves out because of putting themselves at risk for the needs of others. But even in the game, we know that they're cautious about it and they don't just go in blindly. They, they are cautious, but any group that is too benevolent can be taken advantage of. So there is that, but a group like the followers of the apocalypse working within the organization structure of something like the NCR, something like that, creates a wonderful combination for the future existence of humans. And maybe this is where this ends. Maybe this is where this episode comes to a head is that none of these groups by themselves 
really leads to a 100% secure future for humanity. It's the combinations of some of these groups. Like if you were to combine something like the NCR, the uh, the political and structural overhead is of the NCR, but with the benevolence of the followers of the apocalypse and the uh, benevolence of the um, the uh, Minutemen looking out for their neighbors, you might end up with the best of all three of those things. Maybe that's the S tier. And maybe even the ability to plan and do research from groups like the Enclave and the Institute with any, without any of the uh, megalomania associated with them. And maybe some of the technology from the Enclave and the Brotherhood. Then you could have an S-tier group. So maybe that's the answer. Maybe none of these groups are S-tier on their own. It's an interesting uh, kind of thought experiment, huh? I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on these groups and which ones you think would actually make it and help humans survive in the wasteland. And here's another question to, to, to kind of wrap this all up. The group that you pick, how long would it take? How many generations to the point where the world is secured for humanity? All right. See you later, Wastelanders, Vault Dwellers. Stay safe out there. And until next time, don't just sign up with the Enclave because they've got a good plan because genocide's never a good idea. All right, guys. We'll see you later. Bye, everybody. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Also, look up the Robots Radio YouTube for videos about Fallout and other things. And check us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash robotsradio. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.